Welcome to the Mouthy IP Podcast, where we discuss infection prevention for the busy dental profession. The Mouthy IP Podcast is created by Nebraska ICAP, Infection Control Assessment and Promotion Program, and is funded by the Nebraska DHHS HAI team via a CDC grant. Each podcast features experts discussing current infection prevention topics and answers to questions asked by dental professionals from Nebraska. Welcome to another episode of the Mouthy IP. So today we have two of our favorite people. We have Kate Tyner and we have Sarah Stream. However, we also have a special guest. Uh, we have Shelly Sweetholm. Shelly, would you introduce yourself? Sure. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be with you guys today. So uh, I have been a nurse for 40 years, actually celebrating that this month. So that's a long time. And a good portion of that has been in leadership. So I've learned a lot over those years. And currently, I have accountability for emergency management in the health system. And then I also oversee many of our biopreparedness and our disaster grants that we have with the federal government and the Department of Defense. So um, lots of opportunity there to interact with a lot of different stakeholders. So eager to be with you guys today. We are happy to have you. And the, the reason that we have Shelly on this episode today is because we had a different type of question, um, maybe, uh, you know, dissimilar to a, a lot of the other kinds of questions that we've received. Sarah, would you like to cover? I would love to, Dan. Uh, first, I just want to say congratulations to Shelly on 40 years. That's exciting. Um, so I was uh, chatting with some dental assistants and um, a question came up and I thought this was a good opportunity to bring up this topic on um, to a wider audience, I guess. I think it's something that uh, happens often and there are some tools and resources out there for people to be able to deal with these situations. So um, I was talking to some dental assistants and um, they were talking about some processes in their office. And of course, every process has supplies and those supplies come with a cost. Um, and uh, they were wanting to update processes, which implies new supplies, which is another cost. Um, and they were getting some pushback from their leadership in their office. And these processes were critical to their infection control program. So um, we brought Shelly on today to see if uh, she could help us with some tools or tips on um, how to communicate effectively with others in your office, um, especially when we get into those um, hierarchical situations. So, yeah. Sure. So uh, I've only lived through that a few times, uh, a similar example. So what I like to think about any time that, you know, we need to make a change, right? Whether it's in a process or a procedure or a supply or something like that, I always think about what's in it for the different stakeholders who interact with that process. So how do I like show return on investment? And I don't mean financial. Right. So sometimes there's going to be financial gain, but a lot of time the, the gain is in quality or the gain is in a better work life balance for people or a better um, sense of quality 
better outcomes for our patients. Uh, so I really try to think through all of those pieces and parts and opportunities as I put together sort of my pitch, so to speak, for whoever I'm gonna present it to. Because I think if you do that in a really meaningful way, then you're really likely to end the conversation with uh, a positive yes. Even if it means we're gonna spend a little bit more, uh, if you can really talk to the quality outcomes or the improvement in the overall work environment or efficiencies that'll be gained elsewhere, then that makes it a lot easier to get uh, your proposal approved. That's some great advice, Shelley. And I think we, we've talked a lot on this podcast before about how infection control, your infection control program should not be the area where we're trying to save money. But unfortunately, there are stakeholders holders out there that they all they see is dollar signs, right? So being able to kind of steer that conversation away from the dollar signs and more into our quality and patient safety is really good. So and I'm on a gravy train on what you were saying, both Shelly and Sarah. Um, definitely in my career, not 40 years, congratulations, Shelly, that's amazing. Um, definitely learned over time to be better at asking questions in a way that I'm trying to steer people towards the answer I want to hear, right? And that sounds um, manipulative, but what I mean by that is simple things like if it is a hierarchical relationship, you're talking to somebody at a higher level than you, you should put some time into that conversation planning um, to make sure that you're setting yourself up for success. This is not like a, a hallway conversation. Like, by the way, especially if you're nervous about it, for me, I'm going to need to take some time to prepare, you know, What's wrong with what we're doing now? What, so, what solutions are possible? And um, probably have that material ready to go. Like that you're prepared that if somebody has questions, well, I can show you, I put some thought into this. It makes you, I think, a more credible um, colleague that way. I've put some thought into this question. The other thing is scheduling time. That's especially working with physicians. I, I really hear the plight of the dental assistants working with the physician or the dentist in their office. Those are people who tend to be pretty busy. You know, I've gotten very used to, um, hey, I'd like to set aside time for this. Do you want to schedule 10 minutes at the end of the day? Um, do you have five minutes now? Like not cutting myself short with five minutes, but if the conversation's going to take 10 minutes, I want to tell them this conversation's going to take 10 minutes. Do we have time now? So those I think are some additional things, just like with those tips that Shelly's giving is putting some thought into your request so that you can say what's wrong. What do I propose? Here's what we gain. I think that lends to the situation. Yeah, I like that a lot, Kate. And you know, you do do that well. <laughs> um, <laughs> the other thing that you you said that you know I think has become habit, and the more you practice it, the more it does become habit, right? So you're looking for the evidence. So coming prepared, like you said, bringing the evidence, maybe even an S bar, right? Your situation your background, your assessment of what's going on and what are you recommending, that really puts it into a succinct framework that you can then have and not, you know, if you're, if you get worried or flustered during the conversation, you can just keep relying on your S-bar to kind of guide you through the conversation. So I think those are good, good advice pieces. On the topic of the S-bar, um, that is not a tool that I've ever worked with before I came onto the I 
cap team. So for all of our dental listeners out there, we will put uh, an SBAR template in the show notes for you that you can feel free to use. If you're going to send an email, like some conversations are way better in person, but if you're going to write an email instead of writing four paragraphs, an SBAR really helps you make that into like a quick deliverable. I'm sorry, Dan, please go ahead. No, I, I was going to, that because that um, actually dovetails into uh, some of the points that I was going to make, because really um, what I've heard and what I agree with is you need to know your audience and you need to know how that individual, how that person responds most positively to. Some people are numbers people. Some people are maybe a little bit more, um, emotional and more of a feel of how things go. And you need to know what their hot points are. What are their biggest concerns for what you're going to try to present? And with that, the preparation of being able to counter or at least address their concerns. Um, and, you know, a lot of this uh, goes with a cost benefit analysis, right? When you stack through those things that are more quantifiable and you can put the dollars and the cents and the numbers and the, the all of that, but there's a lot of those soft skills too. And, and Shelly had referenced those, those qualitative things uh, that also could be measured moving forward. So what I have found is really to target the individual that you're trying to present to having the information in a brief form, countering what uh, uh, Kate had said, maybe scheduling a meeting, having a definitive timeline so that they can be focused on what you're trying to present. And then limiting what you're going to present in a very organized and very thought out like SBAR or bullets, and then having all of the supporting documentation for when those questions come. So on, one of the items that we have the advantage of, you know, I've lived and worked in a big academic medical institution for a long time. Um, we've become really used to looking for literature and evidence that supports when we make a recommendation. So to Shelley's point, when you're talking about um, increasing the quality of care, so like, how will we make that into a sellable point? That would be a great thing. Like if you live in Nebraska or work in Nebraska, that would be something we can help with at, ICAR, or at Nebraska ICAP in the way that, for example, when we're talking about sterilization or um, the use of injectable medications and things like that, we have experience with looking for those articles and knowing about those outbreaks that have led to patient harm, for example, that if you give us a call and you're saying, hey, I'm trying to make this case, can you help me with some of the evidence that goes behind that? We're really glad to help in that way. We always love a good lit search, don't we, Kate? We do love a great <laughs> We may have already done that lit search, or lit search, so glad to share it. Yes, yes. Um, so since we're on this kind of interpersonal relationship gravy train, I have another situation for you, Shelly. So, um, Theoretically, we have a, a brand new dental assistant that's starting in an office, and maybe they see a process that they know isn't standard of care. What would be a good way to approach coworkers, being the newbie, um, to kind of 
you know, make everyone aware and we need to update this. So I think a couple of statements I typically use are help me understand. Can you give me the rationale for how how we how this process is set up? Just so that I can better understand. And if they go through that and give rationale and you know, I think then that's the opportunity, right? For the newbie to say, well, in school, I learned that this and this and this, and I've seen recent references on that regard. Is there an openness to, to looking at, you know, perhaps uh, some of that? Could I bring that back tomorrow and we could walk through it? You know, so the whole help me understand or tell me more um, are things that <clears throat> don't immediately put people on the defense. You know, so you want to understand, right? You don't want to just say, well, that's a terrible process. You know, I don't know where you found it. You need to change it. You know, so there's a couple ways to work through that. And if you get to the point where, where you have individuals who are absolutely unwilling, um, you know, to consider alternatives, then I think, you know, you've got to use your hierarchy. You've got to go to the next level leader and you've got to say, you know, I asked so-and-so to tell me more about why we do this, 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 and this. I'm concerned. So using the words, I'm concerned, sends a message, right? You don't want, any, you don't want your staff to be concerned. <laughs> I'm concerned because when I look at this, I fear that we may be introducing infection where it's a, it doesn't need to happen. So we know that the evidence says that multi-dose vials can only be used one time or whatever the situation is. Pick, pick your pick your process. Um, and then see what happens there, right? And you may need to just keep going until you get somebody who will listen. Um, so hopefully those are things that would be helpful to try to get some, some clarity around the process, the why, and then to be able to elevate your concern. And I think similar, I think about some of these newer employees, you know, I have the advantage of being more than 40 years old. I've been in the professional world for a long time. I've learned some hard lessons, right? About when do you approach that person and who are you with, right? If you try to approach that person in front of other colleagues, they're immediately going to be defensive, right? If you have a way that you can approach that person when they're on their own, and it's um, not when they're trying to hurry and turn over an operatory for the next patient coming in, you are more likely to get buy-in from them and not catch them on the defensive. Um, I can definitely say, like, I remember distinctly as a young nurse um, voicing my concern to a fellow nurse about a situation. And her response to me was, that sounds like a Kate problem, not a problem for me. And so um, I think we've all been there. And in that case, then I need to go and ask a different person for help. And I need to make a personal decision about, is that something that is going to be unsafe in the future? Or was this person having a bad day? You know, better that I don't like titter with my buddy to say, you know, so-and-so is a bad nurse. The better thing is to kind of keep those relationships sound address it if it needs to be addressed to keep people safe. So the other thing you could do is I was watching the process that you used today. Um, and I'm wondering, could I show you an alternative that might be safer? So, you know, and if they say no, then I think that's when you need to go to your next level 
next level leader. But that's another opportunity maybe to. And I think that can go both ways. Um, one of the nurse researchers that I worked in the past, Regina Nalon, she was a great mentor to me for interpersonal kind of development. I think there's probably some people in practice who are middle middle ground, right? They ha- they're not the newest person in the practice. They're not the oldest person in the practice. Some of those middle practitioners, maybe you see somebody's new. Um, and you, if you feel like your process is right, my favorite thing Regina taught me is, let me show you how I do that. Um, and then you're explaining it while you're doing it, that that's a way that I didn't criticize what you just did. I'm just going to kind of take you under my wing and mentor you in a friendly way. Again, if if you're pretty confident your process is right, and I've used that many times since I learned that, is let me show you how I do that. So if we take that situation then and tweak it a little bit, um, what if you were witness to a process that could result in patient harm? How would that go, go differently? Instead of just, you know, like, oh, I see you're packaging this instrument this way. Let me show you a different way. But if there was some sort of immediate patient harm that were about to happen. Yeah. If you can stop it from happening, that's what you should do. And so, you know, if you're in front of a patient or something like that, it would simply be, Sarah, we need to stop for the moment and we need to discuss quickly um, how we're going to go about doing the next step. I really want to just talk to you about that. So I understand the plan. And you somehow, you know, step out if that's appropriate, you know, so, but sometimes you're in the midst of a procedure, right, or something, but you still need to do something to intervene. And if you can stop it from happening, I I think even the word stop is fine. You know, we need to discuss this next step and let's take a time out and do something like that. So, um, And then if it's already occurred, then I think, you know, asking if you could debrief the the scenario and then talk through kind of what you observed. Uh, When you did this, I observed this and I'm concerned. And then that's probably going to lead to then needing to do an incident report or something like that or escalating it to the next level leadership, et cetera. But you can't just look the other way. And most people know that, but it's really uncomfortable. There's no way to make that feel better. Just always need to do the right thing. So Shelly, you have a lot of experience with a debrief and I don't have as much experience with that. Do you want to tell us about um, some tips for a debrief, some times when it's appropriate, even like, how do you get people together? Especially yeah. So it's like emotions are running high. They are. And it can be very quickly done. So of course, you know, Many, many years ago, we started it in procedure-based areas, the operating room, and, uh, you know, you do the pre-brief, which is like, let's talk about the plan of approach, you know, who's involved, you have the key people at the table, et cetera. But post, you know, we used to do them like post uh, critical uh, ER case or, you know, in the OR, we did a debrief, like what went well. You know, so it's a great opportunity to talk about just, I mean, it's very quick and you're supposed to start with the least senior person so that they feel like they're part of it and that they have something to share. Because if you start with the most senior person, then that kind of maybe makes that less senior person feel a little oppressed. So that's sort of the 
the process you're supposed to use. What went well? And it's very brief. And you go around to all the players. And then what do we need to improve? So it's just two key questions. And then you just talk about what by when by who. So if this needs to be improved, what do we need to do about it? So-and-so, can you take action on that? And can you close the loop back with us next Monday on what you decide? You know, so it's just this kind of closed loop process. I think you mentioned a really important thing in all of that, Shelley, is um, giving somebody a directive and ownership over whatever that process change is going to be. Um, it's kind of like, you know, if you tell everyone to do it, nobody's going to do it. So giving somebody some accountability is always important. Mm -hmm. Another um, debriefing statement, and I think like what I would introduce on this call is that how we kind of circled into this conversation when the question came up and we were planning for the podcast. I shared with Sarah and Dan, when I've had difficult situations arise, I have people in my workplace who I consider mentors, people who I can go to with a question like this. And Shelly is like the main person, when, especially with communication questions. Um, I need to I need to have a difficult conversation. Can I role play this with you? Can you give me some tips to get the conversation started? Shelly probably remembers I've done that a couple of times. Um, and so I think it's a great opportunity to think about who those people are in your workplace. Um, and if you don't have them, I think that that's a nice place for ICAP as well, if you want to give us a call. But um, one of the other lines I think you've taught me in the past, um, Shelly, is um, this didn't go the way I expected it to. This is not what I expected to happen. Can you tell me more about? Um, and I think we also have dentists, um, you know, practice leaders who listen to the podcast. So let's maybe turn the conversation to... Um, coaching in the workplace, like when you are at the top of that hierarchy, um, how to do that. So have we heard questions from any dentists that way, Sarah? Or is that a tougher one? That is a tougher one. Um, I think that a lot of practice owners maybe don't feel like they are empowered to be that coach. Oh. Um, and this is just from my personal experience in some offices that I've worked in. Mm -hmm. um, dentists are, are very skilled in their their clinical processes, right? We're fighting oral disease, and but mm -hmm. not so much on like business leadership skills. Right. So being able to coach employees instead of saying, well, we have this red infection control binder, just go do what that says. And I'm not going to be involved in the process. Um, maybe feeling more empowered to be that mentor, to be that coach. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, there are work environments too, where, um, you know, whether things get anxious or whatever, but there can be drama, right? So one of my favorite all-time coaching people, and honestly, it wasn't until later in my leadership career that I, I got to know her and her work. And so I use it a lot. Um, so one of her big questions is, and it's Cy Wakeman, I'll just put it out there and you can Google her and find her. I mean, she gives her uh, tools out, et cetera. Um, but what do we know for sure? Mm -hmm. 
You know, it's so easy to write a story of fabrication that, you know, honestly, you know, the old uh, telephone thing, you know, one person tells one person, tells the next person, tells the next person. Next thing you know, it's nothing of the truth. So um, what do we know for sure? And then, you know, you rewrite the story (laughs) with the person uh, actually as you're coaching. And then the other thing uh, that I've used, you know, and and not too often, but when it's needed, you know, I think sometimes it's easy for folks to come in and give you the problem, Mm -hmm. you know, and as a leader, I was always a fixer. I'm still a little bit of a fixer, but um, it's more important to coach back people and have them identify what's the one or two things you could do different to make that go better next time. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, that puts it back on them. You know, did you have any part in the conversation, in the conflict, in the situation, you know, because many times people just want to hand it off to their boss and it's like, we, we know, right. We know that's not as effective as me going directly to the person um, who I had the conflict with. So. And one of those things that um, I've learned, especially like if you're a practice leader and you have people working with you or under you, when processes don't go the way you would have done them or the way you expected um, I remember at a, I was at a conference and um, they gave us like a little leadership talk. And I, one of the most powerful tools I've ever heard was um, this didn't go the way I expected. And the first step is to make sure people have the tools they need to do the job properly. So the first time you intervene, you're talking to the, your practitioners, the people under you. It didn't go right. What do you need to make sure it goes right next time? You know, and then we're talking about processes, things in place, et cetera. And if we work together to put those things into place, it shouldn't happen anymore. And then if it happens again, then the conversation is, hey, we talked about this before. You told me that it wasn't going well because you needed these things. Tell me where we're at now. And so I think that has always been, Sarah has been on many adventures with me um, where we go um, and help at practices, Uh, making it easy for people to do the right thing um, is one of my favorite interventions to make. Um, and so I'm not criticizing first that I didn't see people clean their hands. I ask myself, how would people do hand hygiene in this situation? I see that I don't have supplies to do that. Let's make it easy for them to do it. And let's talk to them about doing it now that we made it easy. So, and I think it also like, whether you're the champion in the practice for, you know, trying to improve infection control, or you're a leader who has to kind of coach people into the right processes. I think that's a nice way then you're not like the police. You're more of a helper, so. And Kate, I think one of the things that you're referencing there is like a single, well, and Shelly referenced it as well, it's uh, the, the single version of the truth, meaning, you know, here are things that we all agree on that either happened or could happen with um, numbers and, and, you know, actual practice points of saying, Here's where we are, and then coming to a common solution of here is the best way to approach that. And then you have the buy-in, and then, of course, subsequent interactions are maybe a little easier. Well, I can't think of any more interpersonal situations that have come up. Dan, do you have any? You've been in the workplace for some time as well. Some time, you know, (laughs) six months, seven months, something like that. 
but you know, actually, because we have this uh, you know, guest with us, I, I would like to ask a question. So on this podcast, we have individuals with varying degrees of experience listening, some newbies, some a little bit more seasoned. So Shelly, from your perspective, you've already given us a couple of nuggets of things that you've learned along the way. But for those that are maybe newer um, into the profession and newer to um, this type of workforce, how has your approach to conflict resolution and proposals and like, how has your approach changed over time? And with that, what advice would you give to maybe somebody that is out of school, um, a little bit of experience, but not as experienced as somebody with 40 years or the like, and they're trying to push back a little bit and saying, here's something I've learned, but they're not quite as confident as somebody with a lot more experience. So a couple of questions there for you to untangle. Yeah, I think, um, Dan, when I think about some of the most effective things from a leadership perspective that I've done is, uh, one is being present with people. You know, it's important for Kate to know, I know what she's talking about <laughs> when she asks for help, you know? So, but I don't mean that you have to know everything about everything. That's why you as a leader should surround yourself with a bunch of really smart people who do know all the intricacies and details of the work that's being done. But you have to get out there, be present with people a little bit, I think, to garner some um, credibility. And plus, that's important when you, as a leader, are trying to articulate to the next level leader above you, uh, you have credibility, right? Because then, I mean, you can speak to it. You can answer the questions that may come your way. Whereas sometimes I think that that is where things get lost. So um, that would be one thing that I would say. Um, I think as far as other things, just being genuine, being a good listener, being present with people and being appreciative. You know, I think that that goes a long way too in building a workforce that um, really wants to do a great job and always has, you know, the patients and the, the people uh, at the center of the work that they do. I think I'll throw in a little nugget of something that I've learned over my time. And I guess a lot of this came from when I was an educator. So you put that wherever you want to. But um, having the confidence to say, I don't know, but I can find out. So you don't have to know everything, but there are people out there that will be able to answer that question and you can bring back that information. That took yeah. me a long time to be able to say that. That's a great point, Sarah. You're absolutely right. All right. Thank you so much, Shelly, for joining us today. We appreciate your time and all of the nuggets that you have given to our audience. And for all of our listeners out there, we will post some show notes with some resources that Shelly mentioned. And um, if you ever need resources, please feel free to reach out to ICAP. You can call us at 402-552-2881 or shoot us an email at nebraskaicap at nebraskamed.com and we'll be happy to work with you. 
and we will catch everybody on the next episode of the Mouthy IP. Thank you for spending time with us learning about infection prevention and control in the dental setting. If you have questions you would like the team to chat about, feel free to call our ICAP Infection Control Hotline at 402-552-2881 or visit our website at icap.nebraskamed.com. Look for our next Mouthy IP podcast episode and don't forget to stay chatty about infection control in your office.